Vicki McCann, and I'm the Director for Curriculum and Instruction for the Archdiocese of Washington. I'm actually starting my 16th year in ADW with the past three years in this role. I take on a lot of different hats, just like you do. I spearhead all things curriculum standards, resources, instruction, which include professional development and even assessment. This episode is a follow-up to our webinar on blended learning. The webinar was hosted by our ADW lead technology coaches. We are fortunate in our archdiocese to offer lead tech coaches to all of our schools. They help train and support our educators in utilizing technology in the classroom. I actually met these ladies many, many years ago when the program first began. We were asked to start this program with two other technology coordinators at the time. I have had the pleasure to work alongside with them, and I'm so excited to share their knowledge with you on this podcast. Mary Del Bianco and Kitty Shadman. Hi, Mary and Kitty. Hi, Vicki. Hey, Vicki. Uh, please introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your background. Mary, you can go first. Okay. Um, I am a lead tech coach for the Archdiocese of Washington, but in a previous life, I was an art teacher and transitioned into tech somewhere in the 90s. I got interested in how the brain works and decided that I should learn as much as I can about uh, using technology, digital tools as possible. So I uh, studied and got finally into a position as a uh, tech coordinator in a school and then um, retired and have stuck around as a coach. Awesome. Okay, so my background was in education, the hearing impaired. teaching deaf students. Um, So I did that for several years in Prince George's County. And um, it was kind of interesting in in college, one of our projects was using quote unquote technology. And now you have to remember it was in the seventies to teach a uh, deaf uh, 59 year old person language who they found out that he had been institutionalized as but he really was basically deaf. So we used Polaroid cameras and pictures. And so I always was kind of intrigued about technology uh, being used as a tool for instruction. And um, then after teaching deaf kids, I got more and more interested in technology and integration into schools and uh, became a technology teacher. And then we started calling it technology coordinator. And then finally we call it technology coach. And I, I love teaching kids, but I also love sharing uh, with regular teachers how to use technology in their classroom. So uh, like Mary, I am a lead tech coach for the Archdiocese and I'm loving it as being retired, but still being able to have my uh, fingers in fun educational things. Thank you. And I have to say, we are so blessed to have Mary and Kitty as our lead technology coaches. So thank you both so much. You bring such a vast vast variety of um, different uh, backgrounds to us. So it's such a a blessing that our teachers are able to access you. Um, Can you tell our audience exactly what is blended learning and how did you become so excited about this concept? Well, I'll start off. So blended learning... uh 
people think uh, it's just about putting technology in the classrooms. And some people fear that it's having technology take over teaching, but it isn't. It basically, Christensen Institute is really big on uh, defining uh, blended learning. And it's all about part of the learning being online where students have choice of path and pace and place and then part of it being in the school. Um, and then the other main part of it is uh, really using different modalities to design a learning path for students. So it really integrates the core subject with the learning experience. And really it's transforming some of great pedagogy uh, using um, technology. Uh, a lot of the important hallmarks for learn for blended learning are giving students the opportunity to participate in decision-making of their learning experience. So it's really, instead of just engagement, it's empowerment, um, it's authenticity. So it's giving them real world uh, problems and issues and a, an audience beyond just here, I'm doing this for the teacher. Uh, connectivity, uh, which is so important now that we're dealing with COVID and distance learning. Uh, just letting us connect with each other and connect with professionals um, and experts all around the world. And finally, a great tool for uh, creativity and really giving students opportunity for creativity. All of those things packaged together with personalizing student learning. And um, it's just a passion. I, it makes so much sense to me. And um I think the thing is, is that we know that our teachers are really good teachers and they understand what good teaching is and it's using technology to do that. Mary? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think Kitty did a great job of explaining not just blended learning, but um, kind of why we got crazy. Um, uh, we just love it because we don't want to just be people, coaches that are handing out a lot of tools and just training you on a tool because those things all exist now online. Any tool you want to learn about, you can go to YouTube and you can learn from an expert. What we've been trying to do is to say, how do we like meet you where you are as a teacher? Like what, where, where are you in your classroom right now? And how can we help you to transition into better uh, use of these digital tools? And I think it was about four, maybe Five. Kitty, you can correct me on this one, but Kitty found a book and she said, oh my gosh, you have to read this book on blended learning. She goes, it's called blended learning, what we've been doing. And lo and behold, Catelyn Tucker and Jason Green, they have written a book about blended learning and it spells it out, you know, in a real uh, pedestrian way so that it's easy to um, introduce people to good it's not just tech, but it's transformative education. So here we are with blended learning. It has a title. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, so if you ever take one of Kitty or Mary's workshops or courses, you're going to experience blended learning the entire time. So their big thing is that they always want to model what they're teaching. So if you take any of their courses or workshops, you're going to get involved and you're going to dig in just like they're teaching you to do. So they're going to do all different centers. They're going to do online, offline. They're going to take you both back and forth with all different types of strategies. And that's something that's unique to their 
to their teaching style. Well, what's funny because that book that we, uh, that was my aha book, um, it, one of the lines in it, it's called blending learning and action. One of the lines in it says our goal is to allow teachers to trade places with 21st century learners in order to experience the benefits of differentiation and personalization and blended learning firsthand. And if you experience, if you learn that way and are experience um the tools that way that you go oh this this is what it's all about i feel empowered and i'm i'm following my passions and my interests instead of just having infrared content thrown at me so um it really changed it made us change a lot of our styles for our workshops so it, it really it was a game changer for us um, so I know there's several different strategies for blended learning. Can you describe the uh, steps model for the whole class rotation? Um, I'll take that one. Um, I think step, it's a new one to us because um, several of the people that we follow have been so focused on what concurrent classrooms are looking like. So they've been um, really posting great blogs and uh, just tips for teachers to how what to do now. Right now, we're in this situation of having to have students in the classroom and and um, online with us. So, one guy that we follow, AJ Giuliani, uh, talks about a system called Step. And really, what he's doing is he's taking the I do, you do, we do um, model, and he's integrating it into a little more with a uh, little tech. And he also says, if you're gonna be online with your students for a period of time, you don't always have to be you know, on the center stage. So step is set up, which is practice review. So everybody recognizes that. And that, that might, with a digital tool, that might include a tool so that you might do a little Kahoot or you might play another, um, like use a poll or do something so that you have an idea to see what your students know before you get going, right? The T in steps is teach. So that's the I do. So that would be where if you're online, you do a, you know, maybe five to 10 minute um, lecture, let's say, but hopefully your lectures stay engaging and fun. Um, but you do that, you do that delivery of content. And sometimes with, um, especially with the, fail of technology, that delivery might be a video. Maybe you made it or or you found a great video on Khan Academy or um, Edpuzzle on one of those tools where you can have your students get the content, the, the actual teach of material, you can get it um, asynchronously. So in case something fails, you still they still get it. The next piece is the engagement part. So this is where you're trying to get um, get the kids to practice, but get you some feedback. So you try to do something where the kids are um, using the material that you just gave them. And here, a good, a good idea would be to partner up students in class with students at home so that you have this activity going, but the kids are actually working together and you get to bring that at home student into the classroom and the classroom student um, sort of becomes a little portal for you. So you can sort of see what engagement is looking like for your students. Uh, maybe a breakout room would be a good idea here, but you're letting the students have chance to, um, to practice, but you're 
keeping an eye on what they're doing. So you can, you can see if they're actually getting the material. And then the P of step is extended practice. So here it might be an independent activity, um, something that you could do, you know, maybe with a, a Google Doc or something where the kids are working on something they could collaborate or not, but they're getting a chance to practice with a little more um, independence. And then the last one of steps is to show what you know, and everybody is, you know, knows there with assessment. You're trying to get as much information about what the individuals have learned. And so in this concurrent classroom, you might have to be back online and bring everybody together, like in a Google Meet or a Zoom or the Teams with Microsoft. Somehow you got to get everybody together and maybe do a little show and tell, maybe a people showcase a project, um, ask questions, use the chat, just somehow, you know, get, get a sense of what your class knows, not just so you know what they know about the content, but how are they all um, like functioning together? And I, even though this isn't in the steps plan, I just wanna reiterate that there is nothing more important right now than making sure everybody's okay. So at any point in your um, online delivery and your classroom delivery, you know, if you just keep in the back of your mind that how people are and, and where they are on that day really is significant. Teachers are always aware of that. And I think sometimes online it's harder, but it's more important. So, and I love that, the, that you pointed out for that P model for the pairing of using, of having the virtual child um, pair up with a student that's in the classroom. What a way to make them feel united and as a community in that classroom. That's such a great idea. Uh, teachers have been used have been used to doing station rotation in the in-person classrooms for years now, and students are used to it in the in-person classrooms. Can you give um, our teachers some advice for using station rotation in the virtual models? Uh, so, Kitty will take that. Um, I, I think what we find is when we're doing blended learning workshops and webinars that the lower grade teachers really get station rotation because that's part of their, you know, a, a routine. It's some it's a tool that they've been using for years and years. Whereas the older, uh, I don't mean older teachers, but uh, classes. Um, it's more lecture. So we're trying to get teachers to do more rotations, station rotations. In person, usually the station rotations can be like four different stations and you physically have the kids get up and move. Um, obviously that is different with COVID um, when you have students that are in a classroom but they have to be six feet apart and they're not sharing, sharing equipment. It makes it different and also when you have um, students that concurrently are watching or, or maybe all your classes are online. Um, so we've, uh, we, in the webinar, we shared an article that, and a diagram that uh, Catlin Tucker shared where it's three stations instead of four. And basically it's taking your day, your instructional time and breaking it into three smaller parts. The advantage of station rotation is if you take your class and break them into three groups, you have an opportunity to do small group instruction as they rotate around. So group one may start off working with the teacher, whereas group two may be doing an online station where they're doing independent work. Um, 
more like a con or working on a project or doing IXL or or um, reading an article and answering from Newzilla, whatever. And then the third option for the third group would be something that's more of an offline station. And so it's not dependent on the technology. Uh, in that case, it could be create something to kind of be more of a, like a makerspace, make a poster, make a drawing, do this, do that. The other thing, it can even be an activity in the house. So if the kids are home, you can turn and say, all right, what I want you to do is, you know, today we're going to have you bring out measuring tools. And I want you to take a picture with your cell phone of, or your computer the measuring tools you had or make something with the measuring tools. So you can get it much more um, offline, do something for your brother, do something for your sister. And after a set period of time, then you turn and say, okay, now we're going to switch. So the kid, you now have another group of kids with your teacher led and another, the other group of kids move on the online and the offline. So by the end of the period, each group has seen you in a small group setting, has worked online uh, with an online tool, and has done an activity offline. Could even be work in your workbook. Um, so it the advantage of it is that instead of doing your full class one uh, as a teacher-led activity, you're working in smaller groups. So it, it really lends itself to you being able to really. Um, do assessments, formative assessments, uh, discussion, help out with like the I do, we do again in smaller groups, um, check assignments, you know, go over work. And that way, uh, because it's a smaller group, you can have discussions, et cetera, et cetera, or, or present information and, and get a good discussion going. So it's, um, it's not easy, but it, it's definitely doable. And a lot of our articles, um, a lot of the article talks about how, um, as Mary said, recording video instructions could help, having may do things. In other words, if you've done with that rotation, have something else that they could do. Um, and just, it takes some pre preparation, but it's a really strong model. Thanks. And I'd also like to, um point out that for teachers that are, you know, kind of afraid of doing the, having students work independently at their homes where they can't see their work, there's several different um, tech tools out there, such as even just using Google Slides or Google Docs, and you can have a different screen up to have the, to show the actual students working on that digital slide or that digital doc or that Google Doc and you can see, you know, so if a student has not inputted anything in the 20 minutes, you know that you need to contact that student and just check in and see if there's anything that, you know, any tech issue that they were having, um, or is it just that they couldn't get to the work at that time? So those are things, strategies that you could also use. And I would definitely recommend having something like that for independent time. Yeah, I think that's the advantage of those learning management systems. Uh, Google Classroom, it, basically you can open any student's document while they're working and see it and even comment on it, um, giving them, you know, feedback immediately. So you're catching them before they go off track in the wrong direction. Um, Seesaw 
is a great way to be able to see how kids are doing, what kids are doing. There are already activities made. That's It's really great and strong for the lower grades. Um, even kindergartners can use Seesaw. Um, so there, there are a lot of great learning management systems that help you keep an eye on kids, especially ones that aren't even in the classroom. Uh Mary, in the webinar, you mentioned a research paper that you read in grad school. Can you talk about the benefits of a flipped classroom? Um, I did read a paper in grad school, and mm. I, uh, <laughs> I have to tell you, I was in grad school in the '90s, right? So this is this is how far back this concept goes of flipping. Like everybody thinks it's oh, this is a great new idea, but the um, the paper was a research paper done, I, I think, at RISD. Uh, so it was a design class where the students were asked to do their like their homework projects in the classroom. So the teacher um, prepared at that point, not a lot of video. So the teacher had uh, probably hyperdeck or PowerPoint slides that the students had to review at home read, do, do their research, you know, learn about a concept at home. And then they did the work in the classroom. And so in a traditional classroom, the teacher's delivering material, then you send everybody home to do homework. And if, especially with project-based homework, how do you know who's doing that project, right? That's what everybody's worried about. Like is, you know, mom putting the glue together for the birdhouse, you know, whatever. It's like how you, you don't have a clear idea about how people are working through the knowledge that you're trying to get them to understand. So by flipping in this um, design class, they had an, an incredible improvement in, in student learning. So when they got to the point of assessment, it was something like 65, 70% of the students were, were um, gaining knowledge faster and with more depth than the other class that wasn't using a flipped model. So it's evolved. So today's uh, flipped classroom doesn't, um, well, first of all, you don't have to use a old hyperdeck or PowerPoint slides. There's a lot of ways to get the content out to your, your students. And then in the classroom or online, you're going to have um, them working with that information. So it's a project-based model, really, um, if you think about it. But um, Today, we would say, do some kind of pre-assessment. You know, what, what are the kids, mm -hmm. what do they know about the content before I'm gonna send them home? Let me just have a picture of where they are. Then they go home and, and do that work. They watch the video, they listen to you, you know, because you've pre-recorded and you're on your, um, you're on Seesaw or you're on your own YouTube subscribe channel or something. So you have, them look at that content and then come back into the classroom. And a kind of interesting spin is do another little assessment in the classroom and see uh, what everybody has gleaned from that video that they watched or that um, article that they read. And at that point, separate your students out so that if you have a group that's, that's scored low on that assessment, have them rewatch the video right, then your middle group, um, you know, give them a project. And then the people that seem to really get what's going on on that on that topic, give them a more challenging project. So it's it's flipping, but it's flipping with a little more teacher intervention at the um, 
I get the viewing piece. And then of course, at the, after you watch your video, you will always do some kind of post activity and make sure everybody's on board and everybody's gotten to the same level. Uh, Kitty, could you talk about playlist in terms of student voice and choice? Like what activities are available on your resource playlist? So what we did for the webinar, instead of just listing all the resources that we had, we modeled what a playlist looks like. Um, and so it gives you a, shows you a variety of different activities you can do on a playlist. A playlist is basically a model that presents like a sequence of learning activities that students can self-pace through and the teachers create a playlist around a unit or an assignment or project and it integrates different types of media. So you can give them articles to read, you can give them videos to watch, um, and then kind of like UDL, you can also give them a range of different um, interactions, how they interact with the information, how they learn the information, and then a range of um, ways to show what they know. So you can have them make one activity could be making a mind map with Hopper. One activity could be an offline activity where they're making a poster. Um, you can have them doing collaborative uh, jam boards where they're posting different things. The important thing about, uh, great thing about playlists are you can um, adjust it for different students. So you can definitely personalize it. Um, you should always make sure you have check-ins. So after like three activities or four activities, it says teacher time and you ask the student to come and, and talk with you about what they're doing and how they're doing, what kind of activities um, they're enjoying. And maybe even if there's one part of this unit that really interests them, adjust the playlist so they can dive deeper into something that really interests them. As long as they're learning the standards and the skills that you're talking about, what the deep dive is really doesn't make a difference because what you're trying to do is let them dive into their passions and you won't have any trouble with engagement if they're learning about something that they really want to learn about. Uh, Kellen Tucker ended with a quote. Mary, do you have this powerful statement? I do. Um, this was in a post from September 1st. So uh, the, the post actually is full of lots of great information. But here, how this is what she says at the end. As the new school year begins, teachers must be gentle with themselves. We don't need to be experts. We don't need to pretend that we have this all figured out. We need to be vulnerable and honest with our students and remind them that they are learning, we are learning right alongside with them. Well, I want to thank you both so much, ladies. I always enjoy talking to you, and I'm so excited to see our educators implement blended learning strategies in their virtual and in-person classrooms. Thanks again. Thanks for having us. And you. thanks for everything you do. There are a lot of great learning opportunities for our teachers and exercises, and uh, you're putting them out there, so we appreciate it. And thank you all, teachers. You are on the front lines, and you're doing a great job. Don't doubt yourself. Yeah. Ditto. Thank you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.